BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Orsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to preview the Titans' Week 2 matchup at home at Nissan Stadium against the division rival Houston Texans. If you were with us for a preview game or if you watched the game, you know that the Titans were not that good last week. So um, definitely hoping for a turnaround this week. Um, because it will be miserable for everyone involved if they are 0-2. So uh, let's hop into this by talking about uh, both teams' injury situations. Uh, for the Texans, they have kind of a slew of players that are like either limited or questionable or whatever you want to call it. And I had an injury report pulled up, but I accidentally X'd out of it. And now we are back to it. So uh, all of the following players I'm about to name are were limited participants on Thursday. The uh, the list includes Kayvon Webster, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, some person whose name I can't pronounce, uh, Christian Covington, uh, Kiki Kuti, that's a weird name, Sammy Coates, mm-hmm. Jadeveon Clowney, and Johnson Batamosi. Um, the good and bad part of that is uh, I know about five people on that list. Uh, that's a good part, I guess. I don't know. What do you guys make of the Texans' injury situation? None of, this, none of these really concern me. I feel like all of the big guys will play. Yeah, they're just taking it easy, uh, particularly with, with Hopkins um, and Clowney. Um, so I'm expecting to see them out there, and I don't think they're going to be too limited at all, really. Um, I thought it was interesting that um, four of their receivers were limited. Um, like you said, Coach Kuti. Um, Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. Fuller is kind of the one to, to 
to keep your eye on because he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, and he's always dealing with these nagging injuries that have really limited him um, throughout his young career. Um, and as we saw last year, the Texans are just a much better offense um, when Will Fuller's on the field just because he can spread everything out with his speed. Um, he's very dynamic, uh, and he really opens up opens up things for DeAndre Hopkins on the other side and also for, for the running game, um, which will be interesting to see because their running game looked pretty good um, last week, and Fuller wasn't even playing. Um, so Fuller is kind of the one that I'm most um, concerned about. I don't want him to play at all just because – just so this is an easier game for us uh, because, as we all remember, Will Fuller, um, I'm pretty sure he scored two touchdowns against us on, like, three catches or something like that um, in that week four game last season. Um, so I'd appreciate if he doesn't play, um, but even if he does, it, it seems like a lot of their players are banged up. Yeah, I mean – the Will Fuller one is the one that I think actually has a chance in the bleeding end of the game because he's got a hamstring and he's always kind of had those issues. Um, the, the other one that's interesting is Jadavian Clowney because it doesn't get talked about a lot, but his rookie year was essentially ruined because of an injury. And then he kind of took a while to get back into shape. And he was supposedly in really good shape last year and was, you know, had a really good season. And then, he really didn't practice this preseason, and now he's kind of got a nagging injury. So he won't face a lot of competition this week, but it will be interesting to monitor that like going forward. But other than that, I'm not super worried about any of those injuries for them. I think, mm-hmm. obviously, what's going to be more concerning, not just for Titans fans, but in general more concerning injuries, are the Titans' injuries. Um, some good news coming out of Thursday's practice, that's when this episode is being recorded and will go out, uh, Harold Landry, a full participant for the first time since the preseason. Additionally, uh, Matt Dickerson, a full participant, Derek Morgan, a full participant, um, and uh, uh, Rashawn Evans has been a full participant both days this week. Uh, but then you look at some other guys. Uh, I mean, uh, let's see, Jack Conklin did not practice after being limited for about five days in a row. Uh, Marcus Mariota was limited after being full on Wednesday. Just, it's a slew of injuries for the Titans. And unlike those Texans injuries, there's a legitimate chance that a chunk of these guys don't play. So I'll ask you two, which of the big injuries, and by big I mean, you know, Mariota, Evans, Landry, and Lawan, do you think will play and do you think won't play, like your gut feeling? Yeah, uh, before I before I predict um, really how much stock to take into this, um, because we had we had a bunch of guys get upgraded to full uh, today, but then some guys just got downgraded. Like Mariota went from full to limited. Um, Conklin was limited Wednesday, and then just didn't practice Thursday. So I, I don't know what kind of practices they were even. Uh, I mean, may, maybe you know. Um, maybe they were going into more intensive practices today than they did Wednesday. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the schedule is. Um, but if I were to guess, I don't think Luan's going to play. Um, unless he gets cleared, like, really last. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's going to play. Conklin's not going to play. Um, now, now, Mike Vrabel did say on, on Thursday, today, that uh, Lawan will be reevaluated on Friday, and the goal mm. is to get him in 
you know, getting back, like, I don't know what to call it, but like, not practice, but like activities that get him back in the flow of things. So I think there is still a chance out there that LeJuan plays. I hope you're right. Honestly, I don't know. I just, concussions are really like, they're serious, but football players just tend to get over in less than a week. Um, I mean, it's serious because it's a, it, the long-term effects don't yeah. keep you from playing football. That you know, I think that's yeah. the distinction. Like yeah. a concussion is serious in a different way that like an ACL tear is serious. Yeah, I I agree. So well, yeah, I I hope you're right. I hope Luan um, does play, but I, I'm not I'm not expecting him to. Uh, Mariota's going to play for sure, um, even if even if he's a little bit. Um, dealing with the injury still a little bit, I, I think he's going to play because after seeing Blaine Gabbard, I think anyone, anyone would have to play. Um, yeah, those are the big ones, right? Corey Davis is going to play. I don't know. I don't know why some people are freaking out. I, I, they're just managing him. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, they they that that got on on my nerves a lot. Like <laughs> they said the whole preseason, like, look, this is how we're going to manage Corey Davis. Yeah. Right? practice we're going to limit him and then he was limited even after he played you know every snap of the game didn't get injured there when nothing was talked about and then they're like we're limiting him and then everybody's losing their mind meanwhile the texans have 45 players that are limited and nobody's worried i mean i i get that you're concerned because he missed time last year but i mean he what did he play 11 games last year it, i mean it's not like he missed the whole season so I, I don't know. I, I think that's to the point where that, I know that's going to get on my nerves all year because people are going to keep pointing to that. And it's hard because, like, that's the excuse, you know, we're going to hear a lot. And I want Corey Davis to be as productive as anybody else. I think we all know that. But, like, that's that's what every time there's a miscommunication or something like that, it's going to get pointed back to, oh, well, because his hamstring injury and he didn't get seven extra reps with Mariota, they miscommunicated. But, I don't know. That that's that's something. Also, when people were freaking out on Wednesday, um, if you would have taken a look at the injury reports around the league, <laughs> almost none of the star like well not not most of the star players and higher profile players they don't practice they don't practice on Wednesday. The Cardinals yeah. gave David Johnson the the day off. with a quote unquote DeAndre back. Hopkins the day off. I mean, no one practices anymore in the NFL. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, essentially broke his knee or tore an MCL or whatever on the field. And they hit him up with, ah, let me, let's say, they allegedly based off all the interviews that look insane afterwards, hit him <laughs> up painkillers and they just put him back in and he's in a rehab this week. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of done with the Corey Davis hamstring talk until he misses the game. Um, but going to the other injuries, the <laughs> one, so let, let's get this out of the way. I don't think at the end of the day Landry or Conklin play. I think they're both just going to get held out. I think Evans plays. Um, I don't think Kendrick Lewis plays, not that we talked about him. And I think we know that Morgan's going to play in full. But I think Lawan wants to play. And if he had his choice, he would play. And if not, if he didn't get to play, it's because Vrabel doesn't let him play. And I completely understand both sides of that argument. I think it's very irresponsible for Vrabel to not let Lewan play. And what I mean by that is you've got a quarterback who's coming off of an injury 
and you're going to put two backup offensive tackles against a very aggressive group of defensive linemen and front seven players. And, I mean, he's going to get a bunch of hits if he doesn't have Luan out there. Like, it's just the way it's going to be. Like, he may not get sacked every time because he does a really good job of seeing when people are getting free rushers and getting the ball out, whether it's complete or not. But he's going to get hit a lot, and it's going to take its toll. And this is week two of the season. I mean, you – You've got to have this guy healthy for, you know, at least at least 15 weeks if you're planning on making it to the playoffs. So, I, I don't know. I think Lewan kind of showed us what he thought of his injury when he posted that picture on Instagram of him flipping off the camera and all that. So, I, I'm not I, I'm, I'm not really sure how they could spin it other than Vrabel being super cautious with concussion injuries, but... I'm I'm pretty sure based off the fact that we've heard Lawan's going up to the facility and essentially getting kicked out because he wants to play or wants to practice and they won't let him. I think we kind of know our answer on what Vrabel will do if, with concussions from now on based off what happens with Lawan. Yeah, agreed. So let's talk some uh, actual football uh, before we get into kind of previewing you know, strategy and things like that. I want to look at two of the matchups that I think are going to be most important in deciding this game. The first one being Titans offensive line versus Houston front seven. Look, he, Will, you can pick it at Clowney and J.J. Watt all you want. And they're, they're fair criticisms. Unlike your Corey Davis stuff, I do agree that that is a fair analysis. However, you got to admit that they're one of the best threesome pass group of pass rushers in the NFL and that the Titans are going to have to be very good to avoid their quarterback whoever that may be getting destroyed uh, I mean okay so my thing with all of this is I think you can make a really good defensive package with Jadevian Clowney and with uh, Whitney Merciless but J.J. Watt has not been effective as a pass rusher for, what, like three years? Well, he hadn't played. That, that's the thing. Yeah, and that's, that's also bad for a 30-year-old pass rusher is to not play. You know, it, it's not – you know, just like I don't give Corey Davis imaginary receptions for uh, when the time that he didn't play, I don't give J.J. Watt sacks for when his back was blown out and his knee exploded. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think he's a better pass rusher or better defensive lineman because of that time. So – I mean, everybody is so quick to jump on any time J.J. Watt jumps on the top of a pile and gets a, a gets a tackle stat, even though he really didn't do much. <laughs> the, a, the Avery Williamson stat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's it's the you can see my number at the top of the pile, so I must have done something stat. And I don't. I think people are so enamored with what J.J. Watt used to be, and that he was, you know, Captain America. You know. In Texas, jumping boxes all the time, hardworking, blue-collar guy that just got the job done. That they forget that, you know, nobody really watches the Texans. So, you know, three years later, people just assume that J.J. Watt's going to be the same player that he's been. And he's not. I mean, he went from having 22 sacks a year to struggling to get one every three years. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't – I'm not as worried about him. But having said that, you know, going against Pam File and Kelly, who was sick today, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty easy matchup. You know, you're not going to get a much softer 
a group of tackles just than another team's third and fourth, even if they're decent backup tackles. So that, I mean, that is pretty concerning. The guy I really worry about is Merciless just because I saw we had center guard miscommunications a bunch in the preseason and you worry about them finding a way to get him one-on-one with Ben Jones or Josh Klein or Quentin Spain. And how in the world can they? And I, how in the world can they still be having miscommunication? Jones and and Spain and Klein have played together for three years in a row. I mean, it's it's a, it's some passing games call protections differently. Like some guys want the run, or some coordinators want the running back to take the in man line of scrimmage, whichever way you're go, whichever way you're sliding against. Sometimes it's more of, okay, we're identifying this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. You're going to step to help and find. A lot of it's just miscommunication with the running back instead of miscommunication with the other tackle mm-hmm. uh, or with the other guard or center or tackle. Because if, if you're – okay, if the protection is – let's say you're Quentin Spain. If you're supposed to step to your left and get the first guy you see, well, if you've got a guy head up on you and a linebacker behind – if you step there knowing that you're stepping to the left and taking whoever comes in that gap and the defensive lineman actually goes in that inside of you and uh, the linebacker goes to the left, the running back has to be quick to pick that up. And if he's not quick diagnosing that and doesn't see that, then you're going to get a free rusher and it's going to look like the guard just walked away from the pass rusher. So it's a lot of times it looks like it's between the center and guard, and I always call it that because – that's just what it looks like on film, but it's usually more about the running back. That's why they talk about running back protection being so important. Yeah, so about the D-line, J.J. Watt's numbers may not always reflect it, um, but he does have a a huge effect on games. Um, A lot of times he's just taking on double teams um, and letting the other other pass rushers um, do a lot of the work. Um, DJ Reader, who's a nose tackle, had two sacks against the Patriots. Um, that seems a little fluky. So I'm I'm not I'm not too too concerned about Reader. He's more of a of a run stopping plugger. Uh, Whitney Merciless had a pretty bad game. Um, didn't really record any hurries. Um, no quarterback hits or anything like that. Um, and, and the way the Patriots really neutralized a lot of the the Texans pass rush, um, and they they went at, after Merciless pretty heavily um, out in coverage. Um, whenever he was he, he was put out in coverage against um, against those running backs, um, he gave up uh, on four targets. He gave up four receptions um, for 35 yards. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of that was um, from James White. Uh, they used him a lot, um, and the the Patriots really c- couldn't get the running game going. Um, Burkhead was was high, 64 yards on 18 carries. They didn't they didn't they didn't run for over over four yards a carry. Um, so I think the way we can neutralize their defensive line um, and some of their pass rushers is just getting the ball out to Deion Lewis in the flat um, and letting him go after these linebackers who aren't all that adept um, in pass coverage, particularly Merciless um, and also Bernard Drake McKinney. He, he's not exactly um, a, a great coverage linebacker. He's more of a Avery Williamson type. Um, so... I mean, when you talk about this, you know, stopping Houston's defensive line, even if you were to have Anthony Munoz and Bruce Matthews as your tackles in this game, you still want to chip around and do something so that it's not just straight up one-on-one protection the whole game. Uh, But, 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 with Kevin (laughs) Pompeo and Dennis Kelly potentially being your tackles, I mean, 
goodness gracious, play a sixth tackle. It, yeah, I mean, Stalker is going to get a bunch of playing time if if Pamphil is out there and Luan and Conklin are sitting out because uh, we're just going to need another blocker out there um, because, I mean, Pamphil and Kelly weren't terrible against the Dolphins. Um, they actually did a better job than I expected. I, I didn't see them getting beat all that often. Um, but the Dolphins, actually, the Dolphins' defensive line, the defensive line is pretty good, and, and, they, and they held their own. Um, but I'd say the, the Texans have a more talented defensive line, um, younger, fresher. Um, so you would definitely have to use Stalker a lot more. Um, and especially, I just, I just don't want Mario to take in more hits, um, especially just because he seems like he's so fragile. Every time he goes down, he just kind of gets injured. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I, I agree that, uh, that I don't know how we would use a – who would even be our sixth tackle in like jumbo sets? We don't even is, have uh, one because it's usually Kelly. Isn't Merritt still there, or did he get yeah, cut? He's on, squad, right? he's on our practice squad, it'd I be believe. Stanley. It'd be Stanny. No, no, oh my god. It would have to be. I mean, honestly, what they would do is they would just, the, the, okay, y'all remember in Spain's rookie year when he kicked out the left tackle some when Lawan got hurt? Mm -hmm. I have no recollection of that. Okay, well, that's what they would do. I'm I'm just guessing is they put Levin in at left guard, kick Spain out to left tackle, and then use whoever is the jumbo tackle tight end position. Um, I think, honestly, I think that's what they should do now. Is put Quentin Spain at left tackle if they're not going to play Lawan, which oh, is up to Rabel. But that's that's what I would do: is kick Spain out and then just give him chips just to make sure he didn't get with speed, and then just let him get set up and body somebody up. But e even then, who had okay? This is a question I'm not sure any of us know. Who had more sacks last year, Wake and Quinn or Merciless and Clowney? Because I know Watt had zero. It had to be Wake and Quinn because Merciless got hurt so early. That's true, and I don't know. That's that's interesting to think of because, I mean, we just go ahead and give the nod to Clowney, Watt, and Merciless because there's three of them and they're bigger names. But I mean, Cameron Wake's been like a ten sack guy most of his career, and Quinn mm -hmm. I think might have had like seven or something. So like, I don't know. That that uh, would be. We'll we'll put Matthias, our our crack research team. Yeah. On this. Interesting note. Uh, guess who has more sacks over the last, uh, like, two years since uh, the second week of September? Guess who has more sacks, Kevin Dodd or J.J. Watt? Kevin Dodd, I'm guessing. It's, it's since tie. it's a trick they question. Zero. They both have okay. zero. <laughs> 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 like, that's, that's my point, is he's been as productive statistically as Kevin Dodd. Now, Obviously, J.J. Watt is better, and he does influence things more at, than Kevin Dodd. But that, that sounds like something uh, that PFT commenter would tweet and write about. <laughs> that, that is. It's just a hashtag. Some, anyway, but sorry. Uh, that's just something I thought was interesting and needed to be talked about, even though it has no actual relevance and doesn't mean anything. Someone ring the bell, so I have stats. Cameron oh. Wake and Robert Quinn combined for... 19 sacks last year. My gosh. Uh, Clown, he had nine, nine and a half. Uh, Please, I was like, whoa. No, no, no. Merciless had one, and then J.J. Watt, I think, had... A big uh, goose egg? Weird. He, he had zero, yeah. Well, yep. he got injured rather early. <laughs> so they had almost twice as many sacks. But that's not one fair, and, Will. One, Dude, one of them sacks. sat out half the season. Okay. okay, so, okay, then let's say this. 
the number one pass rusher for the Dolphins ha- was more productive than the number one pass rusher for the Texans. That's fair. Wake was better than Clowney. Yes, that's, that's fair. And I okay. think Wake is a better pass rusher than Jadavion Clowney. I don't think we're kidding ourselves there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Quinn probably is too. I don't know. Just like I go back and forth because I think Kelly did a good job last week, but my my issue is the Texans defensive coordinators and defensive staff are not stupid. They're gonna find their best player and put him against your worst player because that's what good coaches do. That's why it was so frustrating to watch Dick LeBeau run Brian Rackpo in coverage and stick Brian Rackpo and Derek Morgan on one side and never move them around. So, I mean, they're going to find the fourth tackle and, you know, Kevin Pantfield and really make him beat their best guy in coverage if you don't help. Uh so let's move on and talk about uh, the other big matchup in this game, and I think that's going to be uh, DeAndre Hopkins versus the the, uh, the Titans defensive backs. I was talking to a Titans film room. I'm sure most of you know who that is on Twitter. Earlier today, I asked him if he would go back and watch uh, Texans Ravens from last year to kind of get an idea of what Dean Pease would do with DeAndre Hopkins. And uh, here's what he told me, and then I'll let you guys give your thoughts on if you think that this is how the Titans should approach it with their personnel. So um, on, on the Texans' opening drive, Baltimore played pretty strictly cover one, single high safety with man-to-man, and the Texans drove right down the field. And the rest of the game, they started every play just about in single high, but most of the time shifted into cover two after the snap to try to confuse Tom Savage. No one traveled with Hopkins. Uh, everyone stayed where they were the whole game. Um, and no one doubled Hopkins unless he took his route deep, in which case Weddle would pretty much always come over. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Does it translate to a, a probably a better group of defensive backs, especially with uh, Butler and Byard? And uh, is that what the Titans need to do? Uh, I think that makes sense. Um I don't think you need to keep a safety uh, over the top on Hopkins' side. He's not really a burner. I mean, he's not really going to beat you deep um, like a lot of these other uh, receivers are. Like He's not like Julio Jones where he could just completely burn you. Um, he does a lot of his work um, in short to intermediate area areas of the field. Uh, what I don't agree with is is not um, not shadowing him. I would just put Malcolm Butler on him and let him follow him for the whole game. See, I, um, I, I would almost rather have Ryan on him. Uh, okay, if, it, so, if he goes in the slot, Ryan for sure. Of yeah, course. definitely in the slot. But I mean, I, I can I don't know. I feel like both both of those guys have have experience against Hopkins because I know that New England played them in the playoffs a yeah. couple years ago. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Will? a great time to talk about what the uh, Patriots did when they played. I think they played them twice that year uh, where yeah, they, they was also one of, Was one of them that uh, that game where Jacoby Brissett played and like went yeah. off on Thursday killed, night? Yeah. yeah, and I think they held the Texans to like three points, it, like perfect defense. So what they did is they had Malcolm Butler play Will Fuller, and they had, I think there was safety up over the top, probably Chung. Um, for us, it would be probably Vaccaro. Like, you want your playmaker to stay and have the chance to make more plays if you're going to have somebody limited to just playing over the top a specific receiver. Um, you want it to be Vaccaro. So it would probably be, like, floating bracket coverage with 
that guy with those guys following. And uh, now I, I don't know if they used uh, bracket coverage consistently. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I know they used Malcolm Butler on Will Fuller, and they used Logan Ryan on Hopkins. No matter where they lined up, slot, whatever, and then they had they would just change. You know, if they were in their nickel coverage, they would have their third guy on the third guy or whatever. But that was locked on man forever. Like that's that's what that was. So that's exactly how I would play him because it, they did it before. And Watson's Watson's fine, but he's not he's not a spectacular thrower. He like, wasn't fine last week. No, he was bad last week. I, I'm I'm bad. kind of that and like averaging averaging his career with that because he was people had him way too overvalued off of you know those few games he played a four last game year. stretch yeah yeah where he like people forget he was down like 21 points versus Kansas City when he just started throwing up lobs that they kept he happened to come down with so like, factoring all that in like. My main thing is if you can make him throw in tight coverage over and over, that's fine. Like you're you're fine living like that. What you don't want to do is let him sit back in the pocket and let one of those receivers break free. And you don't want to be so scared of him running that you have all your linebackers drop into zone coverage and you only rush four. And then even then he finds a spot in the zone because that's what they do. So like that, I mean that's exactly how I play that defense. Uh, yeah, I think Will Fuller playing to, is going to change a lot in terms of uh, what we do on defense and how we cover uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I wonder how much they unleash him though. Like, I wonder, like after like having a hamstring injury that they're kind of worried about. I wonder. No, you can't. You can't yeah. just put him on go routes the whole game. Yeah, you can't have him run twenty goes like you will at the mid, at, you know, mid season. So, I, I wonder how much of a factor he really will be. And I mean, Hopkins really runs one route really well and that's that 12 the, o- the opi yeah where he just pushes <laughs> off the hell at the top and like it, you'll you'll watch uh michael Irvin or whatever talk about it he's like, oh that's a great job running around i mean it's just opi but it's like the whole seattle seahawks thing if you do things illegally every time they're not going to throw the flag every time like the refs just get used to seeing. Oh, I mean, and we've known, we talked about this all last year with Hopkins yeah. being the king of the push off. I mean, that's just who he is. And frankly, I don't mind that it doesn't get called because I've always been a proponent of quote unquote letting the guys play. Yeah, that's why I'm a little. Uh, I'm like on the on the fence about putting Butler on him just because Butler's so feisty and and he. Um, he's very active with his hands. You definitely um, never, ever, 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 ever will put Malcolm Butler on Will Fuller. That would end in no, absolute no, no. disaster. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, getting burned. The only way you do that is you, you have to pressure and you have to have like a safety over the top. Joey Jackson needs to follow Will Fuller. End of end of story. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. So. Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, strategy. We'll start on the offense for the Titans. How do you attack this Texans defense? You know, obviously their strength is up front. Uh, they have some talent at inside linebacker. Zachary Cunningham was a player that I really liked in the draft process a couple years ago, local guy from Vanderbilt. Um, but, you know, what do the Titans do? Do they do what they tried to do early against the Dolphins where, you know, quick, quick, quick? And I certainly think that's what you do. Or do you try to open it up vertically? I mean, do you – the thing about running play action and bootlegs is 
that is where Jadavion Clowney can use his athleticism to really make an impact. So what do you guys think? Um, see, early in the week, I, I mean, I, I still think this is a game where Corey Davis could really um, could really break out a little bit just because Kevin Johnson um, is out. I, I think he went on IR, actually, with a concussion. He got two concussions in, like, three weeks or something. They put him on IR, so they're really— they're really thin on the back end. Uh, Aaron Colvin is a fine cornerback, but he's really more of a, of a nickel guy. Um, I, I think he really only plays a slot. I, I don't know if they're going to push him outside. Um, Jonathan Joseph is like 500 years old. Um, so they're definitely attackable um, with receivers on the outside. The problem is uh, Corey Davis is a little bit inconsistent. Richard Matthews, it, I, I, he barely played last game. He wasn't even targeted. Uh, Tajay Sharp isn't good, and Taewon Taylor hasn't shown to be good. Um, and really, I, I think he only played nine slaps, nine sna- snaps last nine week. Slaps. So nine slaps, nine slaps. <laughs> that's only a Taewon Taylor trademark stat. That's right. That's a, no, that's a Matthias Wadner PFF elite stat. <laughs> Slap, slaps the game. Okay, but anyway, um, I wouldn't uh, trust our receivers to do a lot in this game just because they haven't shown to be able to, um, and I'm not sure how much time Mariota's going to have um, to go through his reads um, and, and find his receivers. So I think there's a game that sets up really nicely for Deion Lewis um, to attack those linebackers that, that really struggled last week in coverage. Um, I, I'm kind of going through the numbers here, and Zap Cunningham was – was a player the uh, the Patriots really targeted. Um, I talked about Merciless. They also targeted him and Bernardrick McKinney. Um, they're they're okay linebacker. I mean, Whitney Merciless is a fantastic pass rusher. The other two are decent linebackers in terms of stopping the run, um, but they're just not good in coverage enough. Um, and we saw what what Deion Lewis could do um, last week. I mean, they couldn't stop him. If he if it was either running the ball or out of the backfield, the Dolphins linebackers couldn't stop him at all. Um, so I think there's a game where you get the ball out quickly um, to your running back um, or maybe even on some slants uh, to the inside um, with some of with maybe Corey Davis and maybe Tywan Taylor um, and really just um, make those linebackers make plays um, out in the open field, which they haven't really proven to be able to do. I don't think they would do it, but the smart thing to do is to put like a four wide receiver set and just like really make the Texans play a fourth yeah. guy. Like they they don't even have three cover or three corners that can cover. Like make them bring a safety down or something and make them use Tyron Matthew or whoever they have to use and They're just probably use Reed in the in the slot, like, I'm assuming. Do what? They'd probably use uh Justin Reed, the rookie. Um, and a lot of like, yeah. Um, I, th- I think Aaron Lister Colvin is probably the slot guy because isn't that pretty much what he did exclusively in Jacksonville? Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying if we spread him out with four, with four oh, receivers, okay. yeah, the second slot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like you can definitely do. It. I mean, but it, that's fine. Like I'm, I'm fine going against. You know, put Corey Davis and Rashard Matthews inside and make them do something. Like make them declare like that. Like, are you going to have those? You know those guys cover those two. If so, then you should have a bunch of mismatches inside. Like, e- even if they find a way to cover that, you should be able to spread it out and have Deion Lewis in the backfield and dump it off to him against those linebackers who weren't great in coverage, and then just attack them like that. I mean, 
that that game plan is so simple to me. Like if I was playing Madden, that's exactly what I would do over and over because I don't think they have the personnel to stop that. But life's not Madden, so I'm sure we'll see a hundred runs and play action off of it, which is fine. But what's going to happen is is every run that Jadavian Clowney is on the backside of, he doesn't care about his responsibility. His whole thing, his entire career is if nobody's blocking me, I'm going to run straight at the quarterback and hope he has the ball. And then if he doesn't, I won't hit him. And if he does, I'm going to hit him. Like that's he's made it a whole career off of making plays from the backside, you know, because he doesn't respect the run ever. Like it's just like if he's front side and the run comes at him, he'll play it and he'll be fine. But backside, if you watch him, he's always going towards the quarterback. So there's always a big gap open. So not not that the Titans will do anything to exploit that, but that's where they could get punished on that is if they tried to do those naked bootlegs like we talked about. So. I'm sure we'll see that because it's part of the offense, but I would really spread them out and make them use those three corners, and including one that they just signed in free agency, I think, to play outside corner either as a backup or potentially just in the lineup this week with Kevin Johnson out. So I, I, that's that's on paper what's their weakest unit and how you would attack it. But like I said, I don't, I don't expect them to start out like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's move to the other side of the ball for the Titans and talk about uh, how their defense attacks. You know, we talked in detail about Hopkins, so let's kind of move on from that. Let's talk about how you just kind of attack this Texans offense in, in general. Because, Will, I think you're absolutely right about Deshaun Watson. He's a, a YOLO thrower. Uh, you know, you only live once, just kind of throws him up and hopes for the best a lot of times. Um and I think their running game is going to be very limited. I'm not a huge fan of either Lamar Miller or Deontay Foreman. I think that's a very limited backfield. Um, so what do you do? I mean, obviously you got to keep Deshaun Watson in the pocket because when he becomes dangerous is when he's running around. So what do you do? What do you do against Watson? I'll let Will uh, break down <laughs> the game plan of, of the worst quarterback in the league. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so – we already talked about what you need to do with your defensive backs. Like, I think the plan is pretty clear. Like, you've got to be able, and I, I don't know that the Titans have the guts to do this, but you've got to let your third corner take whoever their third receiver is and just play them in man. Like, on paper, that's prob- that's going to be either Dory Jackson or Malcolm Butler. Cause, the key to victory is is covering the third receiver. What? Yeah. I know it's it's crazy to think about, but like <laughs> no, I, I, I'm serious. Like, explain more. I'm, I'm confused. Oh, okay. So, okay. So this is what's going to happen, um, and it's happened to us every single time we've played the Texans. It's really not Hopkins that kills us. It's like Ryan. Kidding? Hopkins shreds or, the Titans every time they play. But, but and I understand that. But the back breaking is third and seven when you have Hopkins covered and like Ryan. Yeah. Bruce Allington. Yeah, like some somebody and I know Fedora's not with him or anything, but what I'm saying is is somebody who will have two big games a year and they'll both be against the Titans is the guy who ends up converting third downs. And okay, and it also got misinterpreted. You're gonna have your main guys covering their main guys, but what you can't do is say, "Okay, we're gonna have to go to zone," and I'm because I'm afraid this guy's gonna get open. You've got to say, "I know that my third best corner can erase their third best receiver," because if you can't do that, you can't put pressure on Watson. You've got to know that uh, your three corners plus a safety over the top 
which is probably going to be Vaccaro, like we talked about, can cover their three best wide receivers, and then you can just adapt after that. Like, what, what I'm afraid will happen is the Titans will go in that horrible uh, 4-3 look they used last week to open the game with Camille Correa at outside linebacker, and they're going to find a way. And the Dolphins did this, is they would get their third receiver matched on Camille Correa, and he wouldn't cover them at all. And the fact that it wasn't thrown there every time is just because their offense didn't see it, I guess. But every time he was dropping in coverage, he looked confused and just not very good. If the Texans do that and the Titans go back to that 4-3 look, they're going to get carved up every time they show it. So, again, like I said, my point is is that you've got to be aggressive with your coverage with the corners, and then you've got to be able to bring pressure. And when I say do it safely, what I mean is make sure your defensive ends don't cheat and go inside because that's what gets people killed. It's really got almost nothing to do with the linebackers and how they blitz. It's if your defensive ends take the easy route and try to go with an inside like inside a rip move or a counter spin or something like that, and then Watson can just float outside and stretch the play out an extra two or three seconds. So th- that's that's how I would attack them. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take a look at a uh, – well, first of all, I want all, all three of us – This we're going to be done with Titans-Texans preview now. But since we have some time left on the episode – I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the NFL because especially once we really get into the season, there won't be much opportunity that just because we'll have some more guests on and it's just it seems like we're always close on time. But since we have some time, let's talk about the rest of the NFL a little bit. So I'll give you two some time because I'll share mine. But I want each of you to share just a, a general thought about any NFL team not in the AFC South because we're going to come back to the AFC South to close out. Um, my thought is going to be about the Detroit Lions. Um, there, there was one day in particular driving to Titans training camp and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, the Detroit lions, they may be the worst team in the NFL. And I I think during the draft, I tweeted something like, you know, Detroit is horrible at everything. And they, they are the staple of mediocrity in the NFL. They've never been good. They've always been so average and Monday night football, they went out and were awful against the New York Jets, who had a rookie quarterback starting his first ever game. They were terrible. There's nothing that that team, or for that matter, franchise, does well. Matthew Stafford is okay, right? I think he's probably like better than Marcus Mariota, but like there's nothing around him at all. You know what they do to run the ball? This is what they've convinced themselves is a running game. Lining up in a one-back pistol set and giving it to the guy and just saying, ah, run up the A-gap and hope for the best. That's their running game, and it has been for like five years. And it's with like Theo Riddick, who he's a good pass catcher, but he's so slow. And they got 40-year-old LeGarrette Blunt and, and uh, the dude from Auburn, Carrion Johnson. You know, he's not a bell cow back. And Amir Abdullah was a bust. I don't know. I don't think they do anything well. And Darius Slay and Matthew Stafford need to demand trades. That's my thought. <laughs> it's a pretty good thought. They are really bad. And they also got a seven-point head start because Darnold threw a pick six yes. on the first play of the game. So that, that just that made is, it that really is embarrassing. Yeah, it was embarrassing. So, uh, okay. you know, real quick on, on your topic – 
and it's not like they haven't invested in people like to make the run game work either. They have Taylor Decker, first round pick, Frank Ragnow, first round pick, Graham Glasgow, third round pick. And then they have TJ Lang, uh, and who was great forever in Green Bay. And then uh, they have Ricky Wagner, who's I think was a first round pick, if it were not first, maybe second from Baltimore like a few years ago and was one of the people that like everybody believed was going to be the next big right tackle for a while. Like they've put a ton of money and resources into making sure that these run, this run game works, but they don't do it well. Like it's, it's baffling to me how they just refuse to be good at running back. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe if they fired Jim Bob Cooter, who is only coasting on the He's back still of there? his name. He's only there because of his name. He's still That's there. It. Yeah, he's that is there. a crime. <laughs> his offensive system is about as effective. I don't know. I, I need to stop. I'm about to make an inappropriate remark or something. So I need to stop. That's him, Bob Cooter. I, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I would too. So uh, on to my embarrassing team. Uh, the Steelers are a joke, man. I, I, I'm, I'm done with them. First of all, this whole Le'Veon Bell situation. Um, and then the fact that Mike Tomlin just is underperforms in every game, every road game where they're favored hugely, hugely. I can't believe I just said <laughs> favored in a, yeah, favored in a huge here. way. Uh, yeah, I'm Trump out here. Um, but it just doesn't make sense to me, man. These are teams that they should be killing all the time. And don't give me, don't come at me with this is a new Browns team. This isn't the same Browns team. Uh, the, the Steelers were up two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, and they ju- they just absolutely pooped the bed well, they're, they're like they do all the good. time. Yeah, that's fine, but they had only given up seven points until the fourth quarter. But they do this all the time. Yeah, they're always favored right. in these games. They go on the road, and then Ben Roethlisberger turns into uh, I don't even know. Marcus I don't even Mariota. know. What is he? Oh what my god. <laughs> Marcus never plays as bad as Big Ben does in some of these games. It's actually unbelievable. Dude. He's just throwing the ball out. He's arm punting from like <laughs> his own five yard line. It like, doesn't make like any Matt sense. Castle? Yeah, pretty much Matt Castle. <laughs> made an appearance I, I for the Lions last week. Are we supposed to be surprised? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so Big Ben had three interceptions, two lost fumbles in this game. Honestly, sometimes it it seems like he doesn't even care about what he's doing with the football. Um, and I don't blame him because he's got one foot out the door. He's ready to retire. Um, but yeah, that's my thought of the week. Uh, the Steelers, even though they're probably going to go like 12 and four and win the division with these, um, it's just ridiculous that this keeps happening to them. Um, and I'm pretty sure once big Ben retires, I think they're on the verge of becoming like the laughing stock of the league. I would not be surprised at all. Okay. Do we think big Ben is still good like independent of himself no okay i mean they may they may just accidentally get better because think about (laughs) like james connor is their backup running back and he had two touchdowns i mean he was great like he looked like he did before he got cancer like he looked great like and you know eventually they'll get Le'Veon bell back but even if they don't like this team has antonio like they have so many good weapons, like Juju Smith-Schuster. Like they, like offensive line is good. Like offensively, they should be putting up thirty points a game against most teams. All right. So real quick before we close out, let's talk a little bit about the other two teams in the AFC South that we haven't talked about yet: the Colts and the Jaguars. Um, look, 
the Colts, they're bad, man. I mean, yeah. they've got a, they, they've got a good quarterback. They've got a Pro Bowl receiver. That's about it. Their defense is bad. I like Malik Hooker, but that's it. Uh, the Jaguars are going to be pretty close to the same team we saw last year. There's going to be some regression with their defense. They're not going to score as much as they did last year. But I think that's still going to be a tough uh, opponent. You guys agree? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, a lot of people just expected the Jaguars to regress just because um, – well, I don't know why, actually. Honestly, just, I guess just because Blake Portals is their quarterback and and they're the Jaguars, so they're just associated with with being terrible. Um, but that defense is showing no signs of slowing down. Um, Bortles is still Bortles, um, but they have enough weapons around him um, to at least compete in pretty much any game. Um, and as for the Colts, I mean, I I don't know. I I, I look at their defensive players. Um, and a lot of them, I don't even know who they are. And maybe that's yeah. more on me. No, it's not. But it, a lot of their cornerbacks are just, who Who are these guys? Yeah. Um, and I was getting a little bit concerned because the Bengals were, um, they were losing um, uh, by a good amount at one point. And, and I was. And um, they were a good team, fumbles. I think. The Bengals had five fumbles at one point, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. If they hold on to the ball, I think the Bengals will be a pretty good team this year. Yeah. I think so too. And uh, let, let me just say a little bit about luck. Um, they've pretty much admitted um, by their game plan that he can't throw the ball deep, um, and they're just playing in a little dink and dunk offense. Um, it's like so basically, they, honestly, Andrew their luck offense doesn't even scare has me. Has become Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, yeah, or like uh, Alex Smith from three years ago. Um, if luck, and I'm sure he won't, stays on pace for how often he threw this past week, which was 53 times, he will throw 848 attempts this year. That would be the which, most ever, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, that that would be the most ever, like, including college ball. Like, that's a crazy <laughs> amount of attempts to have. Like, so, um, it's gotta, just my 2 to make up for lost time. They're all underhanded tosses, though. So, do yeah, they count? <laughs> It's like a, it's basically like what a center does when he snaps shotgun. Like that's how far. It goes. <laughs> um, so uh, there's going to be a lot of people that try to blow smoke uh, uh, and tell you that Quentin Nelson was really good. He looked exactly like Chance Warmack did. Really good on combo blocks when he could get the center to help him on like guys in a one technique. And everybody was like, "Look at this one trap play he had." There's plays where he ends up spun all the way around. And there's plays where he ends up missing the guy he's supposed to block. And it may just be the first game, and the Bengals have a good front, but everybody who's trying to sell you that he had a good week off of hmm. the or two, go back and watch that game and watch him at left guard, and you tell me if – I mean, he had a week – if Quentin Spain had his week, we would be saying Panfield needs to be starting at him. So PFF uh, had him with a low grade, so – they gave him uh, the second highest grade. I will behind. say their their offensive line grades are accurate. I will give them that. Quentin so, Nelson got a sixty three. Yeah, there you go. It's hard to mess that up. Out of a hundred, yeah. it's the sixty three out of a hundred seems right. Um, yeah. yeah, he he did not look good. Uh, so there's that. Also, um, Jacksonville almost lost to the Giants. a team that drafted in the top five last year. Um, they, uh, okay, that's a little, uh, 
don't what, know what the, the reason the reason why they didn't lose is or the, is because the punt returner fumbled the ball inside the ten at the end of the game. Like uh, also OBJ, who Odell Beckham's great, took Jalen Ramsey to the shed. Like yeah. he beat him. I mean eleven for one eleven. Yeah, I think they said nine of his routes were on Jalen Ramsey, and he had something like eighty yards on those nine routes. I mean, that that was the game plan was to go after Jalen Ramsey, which is crazy, but that's what they did. Like, and and it worked. OBJ, I mean, put him in a blender. It, he was nowhere close a lot of the time. So, I don't know. That's taking nothing away from Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is great, but you know. It's just a testament to how good Odell is. I mean, it was it was crazy to watch. So yeah. if you get a chance, go back and watch that, and it'll show you that even Jalen Ramsey is beatable. But, yeah, like the Jaguars are a good team. They're going to be tough to beat. You have to have a very specific game plan if you're going to beat them. The Colts are easy to beat, but, you know, unless you're the Titans, and then who knows, it's a toss-up. But that, that's kind of my two cents on those people. Uh, before we leave, just some quick stats. Uh, Ramsey gave up five receptions on seven targets for 75 yards. And then Will's favorite player, Miles Jack, gave up seven <laughs> receptions on nine targets. Oh, my gosh. Dude, Jack, okay, so here's uh, – while we're talking – But he got a 74 coverage rate. <laughs> Dude, okay, so uh, somebody got my mentions and was like, Miles Jack uh, is better than Kevin Dodd, which yeah, like I'm, I, I obviously, like, <laughs> I'm better than Kevin Dodd. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I've been a big like Kevin Dodd like stand. Like I've been the one saying that Kevin Dodd should be like an All Pro or whatever. Like I'll take my lumps if you say I'm too high on Corey Davis. Like I, I get, I get that, but I've never been somebody who's pounded the table for. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that, so assignment for for next week. Uh, when we when we do our recap episode on uh, on Monday next week, all three of us are going to bring a worst tweet of the of the game. Oh, and I, I'm going to utter mine from last week, and then we'll close this out. Someone got in my mentions and told me that Marcus Mariota is not as good as Blaine Gabbert because Gabbert only threw one interception and Marcus threw two. I mean, those are facts. You cannot. <laughs> yeah, more, Indisputable <laughs> evidence. Uh, and with that, we're going to close out. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to preview, um, or to, excuse me, to recap this game. Uh, again, Titans, Texans, I assume it's at noon at uh, Nissan Stadium this week. Uh, enjoy the game, guys, and we'll be back next week. For Vegas Wander and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Horsham. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.